The following program, Live... In Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 22, the Lord Jesus Christ gives us a very important truth that we need to understand in terms of what is taking place in our country. Let me read the account. It's brief, and it's Jesus encountering a demon-oppressed man. And the demons have really overwhelmed this individual. The first time that I dealt with an individual who was demon-oppressed, it was a heavy situation comparable to this, really, in many ways. But what I've discovered is that of greater concern is what happens in the lives of ordinary believers when we come under spiritual attack that we do not understand and begin to have issues that we don't realize are because of spiritual strongholds. The account goes this way, Matthew chapter 12, beginning with verse 22. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute, was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It's only by Beelzebel, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Now here's the lesson, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste every kingdom. Let me say it this way. I think the application is appropriate. Every country divided within itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Let me point a few things out, and then I want to apply it to what is taking place in our country, because we are dealing with demonic deception and demonic oppression, which, if it continues unabated, could destroy our country, because every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And our country is divided. We're divided right down the middle. Just look at the numbers in the election. I mean, it is hard to fathom that with over 300, with close to 300 million people in our country, that we literally could probably find 150 million that are for President Trump and 150 million that are against President Trump. That's really what it comes down to. That's that kind of division. Now, where does this come from? How can this happen? Well, I'm sure you have some answers, but I just want to to put it on the spiritual level, and that is we are living in a day in which anger has been allowed to rule. And we as followers of Christ, many of us are guilty of anger, anger that's out of control, anger that's feeding the animosity that exists. That's why we need to look at the demonic activity that's behind this and recognize it's it's occurring on a corporate level in our country, but it comes ultimately down to the personal level. And so when we turn to Ephesians 4 and verse 17, we read, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. That's us. That's believers. And it says, in the futility of their minds. We're not to be like those who are unsaved, those who are not forgiven, those who do not have eternal life. We're not to walk or live like the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. We should recognize that their thinking is futile. Why? Because they don't know the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are spiritually blinded. And to get angry with them serves no purpose. This doesn't mean that we do not take a stand. We need to. 
But we need to recognize the blinding. We need to recognize the supernatural aspects of all that is happening around us. It says they are darkened in their understanding. Yes, they are alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Don't we see the hardness of heart, the callousness of people? In fact, it goes on, it says that they are calloused and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this, now that's a big contrast, but that is not, here's the contrast, between the Gentiles operating the futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, that are walking in ignorance and hardness of heart. Then it says, but that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. That's where the truth is. We're living in a day of lies. A day of a deception. The only truth we can count on is the truth that's in Jesus and in his word. And then it says to put off your old self. You see, it's very easy for us to go back to the old patterns, the old self, that carnal way of living life apart from God before we trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. We're to put that off like a set of clothes and put it aside and don't put those clothes back on. You're going to walk in the newness of life in Christ. But we have to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's the old man. That's the flesh. That's carnality. That's who you once were, but you don't need to be that person again. You need not go back there, but the tendency is we're pulled that direction. And if we're not walking with the Lord, we'll walk back into that old set of clothes through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That's who we are, created in the likeness of God. We are to walk as Jesus walked, become more like him each and every day. Then it says, verse 25, Therefore, having put aside falsehood, in other words, we've got to face the truth, Put falsehood aside. Don't be taken in by lies about yourself, your identity, who you are, what's important. Don't buy the lies any longer. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. We are to be those who speak the truth. And we are to do that in love. So in the midst of the turmoil of our day, that's what we're called to do. Not walk like the Gentiles, not live like the Gentiles, not revert back to our old selves, but we are to put on the new self in the likeness of our Savior and walk in holiness. And then we speak truth with our neighbor. We do so in love, reaching out, understanding that our unbelieving friends are operating in the futility of minds that are, are clouded over by the enemy. And then it says, verse 26, one of the most important verses in the Bible be angry and do not sin. In other words, you can have righteous anger. There should be righteous anger over the execution of unborn babies in the womb. There's a good reason to be angry that that is taking place. To be angry when people are mistreated. There is righteous anger, but even there it needs to be constrained. Be angry and do not sin. In other words, don't react to that anger in a way that leads to sin. And then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Are, are you an angry person? Be honest. Be honest with yourself because the Lord already knows. 
Are you an angry person? And if you are, it says don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't go to bed tonight with anger unresolved. Now, the question is, well, why? Well, I can give you the medical explanation, and that is, well, it's going to help your stress level. You're not going to sleep well. Blood pressure will probably go up, et cetera, et cetera. All legitimate, all legitimate concerns. But the big reason you don't go to bed angry is because you're giving someone an opportunity, and that someone is the devil. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, verse 27, and give no opportunity, a ground of activity in your life, no opportunity to the devil. Demonic forces are taking advantage of anger. They have taken advantage of anger directed at the president, and the president has admittedly fed some of that, invited some of that by his actions. The enemy looks for that opportunity on either side of the aisle. The enemy doesn't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat as long as they are fighting with one another so they can divide the nation and absolutely destroy it. Destroy the United States of America that has been a beacon of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ for over 200 years. And so anger invites the enemy's activity. Anger oftentimes has been instigated by the enemy. So the enemy stirs someone up by putting thoughts in his or her mind. And then suddenly words are coming out and the words are provocative and they are attempting to get a response, whether it be a policeman standing there just trying to defend a building and people are there screaming horrible things in their faces all to provoke them, provoke them to anger. I'm going to tell you, sometimes when you hear that coming from these people that bring anarchy to our cities, when you hear them and you see what they are doing, there is oftentimes, I promise you, a demonic force behind it. Demons literally taking control, instigating that, moving them to make statements that are just absolutely deplorable. And in the face of this anger, we have got to maintain who we are in Jesus Christ. We've got to continue to be under the empowering ministry of the Holy Spirit of God himself within us so that we can respond correctly. Now, what is the correct response? Uh, we've got to be praying, obviously. We've got to be seeking the Lord because this is supernatural. We need to be praying, but we also need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that we respond the right way. People who believe that we hold a different political position may very well look for opportunities to, to stir us up, to get us angry, to, to provoke us to anger. So let me make just a couple of suggestions in light of the tension that exists in our country right now at this moment. Keep in mind, anger invites a simple response, and it can be very dangerous. We can get to the point where someone is irrational when they get angry. I've seen situations with road rage that, I mean, they are just frightening. If anger is not dealt with on a short notice, it gives Satan and demons an opportunity to manipulate us. I've seen it up close and personal. I've certainly experienced it myself when anger has had its way in my heart. Although the warning here is on the personal level in terms of this passage, it bears application, I would suggest, on a corporate level as well. When the enemy is able to manipulate a lot of people at one time, it becomes a group dynamic. 
And so he uses one angry person to stir up another angry person. Let's keep in mind some biblical admonitions. In Proverbs, we're told, whoever's slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Or we're told in Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Real power, real strength is seen in the ability to exhibit constraint. And then finally, one more passage from Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 19, verse 11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Be slow to anger.